thank you for coming to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm Helen Perry and I teach brilliant creative businesses how to do marketing that works. If you're promoting your thing on the internet, then I think you'll like my weekly email newsletter, The Switch. It's packed with everything I see during the week that makes me think of you. Podcasts, articles, YouTube videos, news. Click the link in my show notes to get it this Friday morning. On the show this time, our guest is Cola B. Talkin, the American gardener and host of the Black in the Garden podcast. I just noticed that there wasn't a black voice like mine that was talking about plants, but in discussing like what's happening in horticulture and plant media, it's very white. It's just there's not really black voices or faces intentionally that are really at the forefront of conversations. And so I knew that I could change that. And I was excited to do that. I'm still excited about it. Social media and digital spaces get a bad rap, but there are upsides. There are no or fewer gatekeepers here. It's a place where all kinds of communities are claiming time and space for themselves, such as plantpreneurs like Cola B. Talking, who's a former truck driver who started broadcasting in 2019 to fill the gap in the market for a podcast that gives space to talk about the crossover between horticulture and black culture. Black in the Garden has the absolute best intro by the way go and have a listen to it maybe after you finish this episode cola and i talk about growing and monetizing an online community with total attention to detail about beyonce about being a virgo and about coloring books but first i asked cola how she switched from trucks to plants It started with a desire to grow my own food because I wanted to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And that's always been the case with me. I've always been interested in sustainability. So it was really sustainability that really led me into having an interest in growing my own food. But then I didn't feel like I was successful at it when I first did it. So I got discouraged and I decided, you know what, let's just let's get a few houseplants. Let's see about that. And houseplants went a lot better, but it was this one particular plant that I got at a big box store. It was a coleus plant, right? And it was the ability to propagate that plant that really it activated or enhanced my green thumb in a way that restored and renewed my my faith and my ability to really try to take it to the next level with growing. But... By then, I was like really deep into houseplants and I was a little bit nervous about planting seeds. I, planting seeds used to make me so nervous. I just felt like I was going to do it wrong. And eventually I got over all of that. And now I really enjoy any manner of engaging with plants. I love going to botanical gardens and really do. I enjoy growing my own food, but I love the houseplants. I love growing food when I can. And I also do some dabbling in landscaping. Really love ornamental plants as well. So if I can grow it, if it's fun to grow, especially if it grows fast and it has big leaves, I'm into it. So that's that's the simplest version of my gardening story. When you were learning how to do this better, were you immersing yourself in sort of online communities so that you could soak up what other people were doing or... Did you one day wake up and think, I want to start sharing what I'm doing with the world? How did that work? Yeah, that's a good question. I started out on social media 
many years ago, over 10 years ago, just as someone who liked to use social media. When I first started collecting plants, I did not have the Black in the Garden handle page. I didn't even have the podcast. Wasn't really thinking about the podcast. It took some time for me to get there. But I do remember sharing my plants online. But I also remember looking through social media, like hashtags and stuff, just to help with plant identification, because that was a very big deal to me, was to be able to identify these plants that I saw at a store or online or just somewhere around, because I was living in Florida at the time. Just starting out, having my own personal page, I realized, mm, like so many people on what we call Plantstagram on Instagram, probably should do a separate page for this. But I also know that shortly after I started to really get into plants, I kind of took a very long social media hiatus. And during that time, I just remember thinking, when I do use social media again, I'm going to have a specific goal and I'm going to use it in a way that will enhance my life in a way that will actually add value to my life. And for me, that meant doing business. And so by the time I started the podcast, I, I knew that I wanted to promote it online and didn't really have any money to do that. So I knew that social media is free marketing. <laughs> and so I was like, cool, I get to do all these things at once. I get to really engage and build community. And I also get to promote my podcast. So that's how it all come, came back. That's how I came back from a hiatus. And that's how it all comes together with the plants and the social media. So if your plants are your number one thing, then it's the podcast. Can you tell us about its mission, its purpose and what it means to you? So you mentioned trucking as part of my past life is what I call it. And that is where my interest in podcasts really uh, was able to flourish. I was listening to podcasts before I was trucking I'm in my late 30s, but when I was in my early 20s is when I first started trucking. Took a very long time away from that to start a family. And then I did end up trucking again shortly after I started listening to podcasts. But it was one main podcast, which is very popular in America, all over the world, which is The Read. And it is a very Black podcast. It is a very unapologetic podcast. And I knew that as a Black person, we actually do have to make that decision about like, how are we going to show up? How black am I going to be? Like, how black is it going to get, you know? And I knew that I wanted to be unapologetic about it. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't shy away from discussing some things that maybe, you know, come up when you're thinking that it's about black people and plants, but it still turns out that there's racism involved, you know? So I always have to shout out to The Read for being such an inspiration. And um, that was a big part of uh, what made me think that I could even do a podcast. But I listened to, when I started trucking, I would listen to a lot more podcasts um, when I came back to trucking in like 2017. And I would just listen to so many different ones, hearing all the different voices, the different stories, the different formats. And I also heard some bad ones. And I was like, oh, I don't like this. If I do a show, I don't want it to sound like this. Like the quality isn't good. And sometimes it's not really about the quality of the sound as much as it is about the quality of what you're saying and who you're talking to and what your subject matter is. So I was aware of all these things. So I just have like this very 
intense rubric in my mind for what a good podcast entails. This thing about quality and good podcasting or good content of any kind, I think it comes back to what you said at the very beginning about purpose, about like, if I'm going to go back into social media, there's going to be purpose. Yes. And if I'm going to make something and put it out there, it's going to be purposeful. Anyway, yes. you continue. Absolutely. I'm glad that you recognize that because there's it, everything about it isn't everything about it is intentional. I'm a student of Beyonce, right? And everything that she does is thought out. It, you can tell when you look at the documentaries that she puts out, even when she's giving vulnerability, it's still calculated, you know? <laughs> and I'm not saying that I'm that deeply calculated, but I understand because I'm also a Virgo. Me too. 15th of September, when's your birthday? September 12th. Three days between us. There's a type. Wow. There's a type. There, yeah. Virgos make great podcasters. So, and that's because we're meticulous about details. You know, those of us who are, I'm not saying all of us, but those of us who are, but um, in discussing what I did not find in podcasting was someone who sounded like me, who would be willing to discuss this subject in the way that I wanted to discuss it. I'm a millennial black woman and I am very much like hip, you know, with it. I'm, I like, like you said, the intro to my podcast, when you tune in, you know what time it is. This is the vibe. This is like upbeat. It's given very hip hop, a little taste of trap. And um, that is truly me to the core. And when I listen to gardening podcasts or even saw gardening programming, I mean, you're familiar being from the UK with like RHS and all the kind of gardening programming that is over there. Sim it's pretty similar to what you find in the United States, which is, I will say this because I don't like to be shady. It's useful, but it is not always relatable. And that has a lot to do with who's hosting it. And I call myself the host, hostess with the mostest because I'm bringing my full personality. And that is a big deal for me to really let that shine. Like I said about how I was inspired by the read to be unapologetic about the blackness of it all. And um, I just noticed that there wasn't a black voice like mine that was talking about plants. But in discussing like what's happening in horticulture and plant media at all when it comes to the magazines and whatever kind of programming you get, it's very white. It's just there's not really black voices or faces intentionally that are really at the forefront of conversations. And so I knew that I could change that. And I was excited to do that. I'm still excited about it. And that's that's how it all came together. What does it mean to be black in the garden? Where does the politics meet the gardening in your experience? Mm, I like the way you put that. To be black in the garden. Now, if you're black and you're gardening, then that means that you are just being your whole self doing it. I like to say it's me gardening with my bonnet on, you know, that's <laughs> something as black women wear to protect our hairstyles or when you're gardening, you never really know what kind of things might drop into their dirts all over the place. So really just kind of keeping it protected. But um, that's just one element. It's 
you know, we're having a different experience. We're listening to whatever we're listening to, whether it be some R&B, some hip hop, some trap, um, whatever. And maybe we're dancing. Maybe we're twerking a little bit. We're having a good time. We're really being our black self at it. And I get it. Not every black person is into hip hop or whatever. But as long as they're showing up as who they are, then that's how they're being black in the garden. I'm not saying that it is just one thing. That's what it is to me. But the other thing about the politics, where it meets the politics, is being black outside can be dangerous. And so, and I've heard this across the peripheral interests, as in other kind of outdoor advocating for black people doing outdoor stuff, whether it be hiking, canoeing, or, you know, like birding or whatever. Gardening, it's an outdoor thing. And um, it is not always something that people expect black people to do. And so that's, so the politics that get involved, like I was just discussing on an episode that I don't think I released yet, but I was discussing <laughs> the case of a black man who had, who was community, who started a community garden and was tending to it. And um, white women called the police on him and they were very adamant about doing like a whole smear campaign and really lying to the police about like why he shouldn't be there um, in order to get him in trouble. And, you know, unfortunately, that's one of the the more extreme and unfortunate sides of the the way that it gets like that politicized in that way, because race comes into play in a way that is um, it's not beneficial for black people. It's um, there's also when you consider the history of it as as an American the um, involuntary gardening that was the enslavement of my ancestors. And so that is another thing that comes up. I noticed that in other plant-centric media, that was always left out of the conversation. Even when you're talking about something like composting and organic gardening, there are Black historic figures that had that made great contributions to that. And one of the greatest of all time the goat, as I call him, George Washington Carver, had a lot to do with the regenerative agriculture uh, movement and composting and and using, you know, very natural and organic methods of cultivating crops and agriculture. So it was frustrating to me to see that in those conversations that was left out. And I'm like, no, you can't leave that out. That's a privilege for you to get to feel like you can leave it out. But on Black in the Garden, everything's in. <laughs> That's an important part of the historical context. Oh, thank you, Cola. It's this, this, I mean, you know, I've, you know, been learning a lot these past couple of years mm -hmm. and just things that I still don't see unless somebody points it out to me. Like mm -hmm. you talk about outdoor sports and... yes. Like, like mountaineering or hiking or mm -hmm. any every, everything that's visual around that it, it is a, a, a white man normally doing that kind it of is. activity I, you just and until somebody points it out often you just don't see yeah so how's the podcast been received you're in series five yes season five now that's is that right. correct yeah it's being received very well I just found out very late that uh, BET, which is, you know, an American Black-centric media outlet, they 
indicated that Black in the Garden is a podcast to listen to for Black History Month. And I said, that's that's almost peak Black for me. I love that. So <laughs> recognition from, from BET, from Essence, which is another uh, Black publication, even Apple Podcasts uh, for their Black History Month collection, they have recognized Black in the Garden the last two years running. So as far as, you know, those being indications of signs of growth, yes, the, those are things to take note of. Got to brag about that. On the business end, but also another incredible sign of growth is having a partnership for season five for of sponsorship from the Atlanta Botanical Garden, which is a very prestigious public garden in the United States and, you know, things like that. It's in, as of recent, when I speak to people, um, especially as I'm leaning more into the horticultural space and the actual organizations and the associations rather, when I speak to people, they're like, oh, I heard about that show. I heard about you or something like that. So that's a good sign, you know, when you're out here cultivating you know, doing it yourself and cultivating a public persona for people to actually know who you are. And I don't take it for granted. It takes time too, doesn't it? It, it does. It, it's, a, it's a burn, you know, mm-hmm. it, you've just got to keep on going. Uh, is having a public persona, as you put it, marketing yourself is that something that comes naturally to you or is it something that you've had to kind of go right I'm gonna put myself out there or you actually kind of like no show me the audience (laughs) what what kind of what kind of a marketer are you oh wow 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 so many ways that I can answer that definitely yes I it does come naturally to me I recognize that early on when I first started marketing um But I call it building community because that is more organic and that is an indication as to how um, that's an indication as to like what you asked about my public persona. I do have a naturally charismatic. That's I have a natural charisma is what it is. And I relate to people easily and people relate to me easily because and this is something I recognize about myself. That's just at the core, no matter what I'm doing. I'm a person who genuinely cares. I care deeply about logic and I see things from a lot of different angles. And I, when, when people are telling me their stories, whether I know them or whether I'm interviewing them for the podcast or just standing in line behind them, I am able to really just understand and, and, indicate, you know, connect with them in that way. Kind of like Oprah. I'll say that because she's certainly aspirational, right? But that is helpful to have that, that natural concern for people and in the environment and the earth, and also to have an ability to be able to connect with ease. Um, people tell me all the time, oh, I don't really like to talk on the phone like that, but but we've been on the phone for three hours. So do you really like to talk on the phone or is it just you got to talk to the right person? <laughs> How do you take that part of your personality and bring it to life through a phone screen mm. on Instagram or somewhere else where you're trying to grow that community? How do you connect? That can be challenging sometimes. And that's definitely speaking to the marketing aspect of 
being relatable. And um, I feel like people don't really discuss that specifically enough. So I'm going to do my best. There's an art to it. There really is. Some people are really good at it. I have people who I've connected with online that I see, like you see that I've had, that I have recognition by now and that I've grown my audience and I've grown my following on social media. But I've seen people who've grown even more rapidly than me. But what I recognize that we all, what we all have in common is we are high energy. We are very enthusiastic about what it is that we have to share. And we also have a real concern for people. And we really, we don't just hear things, but we really listen and we care to listen. And those are the things that I have noticed make it that much easier. But also it helps to have a at least a very basic understanding of marketing, which is any good marketer will tell you that the ability to be a good storyteller will help you tremendously. And the ability to do that in a cohesive way and to just keep that story going, it makes a big difference. I don't always feel like I'm doing a great job at it. As much as I feel like it comes naturally to me, when I when I see some other people doing it, I'll be like, they're so good at this. <laughs> and it looks effortless to them. And for me, I'm like, sometimes I feel like it takes a lot of effort. But at the same time, I feel like it comes naturally. But I hope you understand what I mean by that. Yeah, yeah, it can come it can come a bit naturally, but there's still hard work to be done. But do you know what? We're only one person and, and like I, I'm a big believer in are we doing it well enough? Like yeah. with given given everything else that, as you said, can be going yeah. on in your life, just doing it well enough at the moment. How are you turning this online audience that you're building into um a business for you? By monetizing my podcast. That is number one. That's something that I always knew that I would be able to do and understanding the ropes of that and all the business, you know, I, I don't come from a business background, so it is, it definitely has a lot of challenges. And that is something that I look around and I see <laughs> other people doing it. And I'm like, well, just tell me how you did it. Like, who do I call? Who can I, who can I hire or something like that? So that's one aspect of it is the monetizing the podcast and then products. Of course, we're going to talk about the coloring book. I've started a nonprofit organization. So that is a source of, it, it sounds so contradictory to say it's a nonprofit organization, but it makes money because a nonprofit organization is still a business. So it does bring in income, but that's new. It still and it still pays its employee. It still pays people for right, the work they do right, for it. Right, right, yeah, and yes. I didn't start the nonprofit organization with the goal of making money in mind. I started the nonprofit organization because it's environmentally based with an environmental concern, but it still is a stream of revenue. But also marketing myself and just recognizing that there are just a lot of really cool revenue streams that you can tap into when you start a podcast. And so I've sold merch, I've sold t-shirts, stickers, buttons, things like that, you know, just things with the logo on it, putting myself out there for speaking engagements, whether it be at a conference or something, I'll be speaking at two conferences this summer. And also I've spoken um, in some college classes and, you know, just really looking into what that looks like. The thing about horticulture that I love is that many of the institutions that I still have yet to tap into, they have some pretty deep pockets. Okay. And um, 
they also have a diversity and inclusion problem. And if you if you know that's what you need and you know that you're not as diverse with your programming and your marketing and stuff, then hire a black person, you know, not in a token kind of way, but really bring them in and make sure that you are are listening to them and understanding how you can meaningfully uh, address that need because people just want to be seen, you know, and representation is very important. And you've got a coloring book. Yeah. How does this connect? What kind of coloring book is it? It is the Black in the Garden coloring experience. It was really just me using everything that I already had. I had the fortune of working with a Black visual storyteller who is amazing with graphics. She helped me rebrand Black in the Garden as of season two. And in the rebranding, she illustrated all of my guests. These are custom illustrations that are so beautiful that I was only using on Instagram. They, all, If you go and look at my Instagram page at Black in the Garden, you'll see all these fabulous illustrations. And I always knew that I was going to like do something with them. I still want to like put a calendar together, um, things like that. But when I really sat with it and thought about it, I was like, how can I create a way for people to engage with this, this art, because the art is always, people are always raving about it, asking about the illustrator. And her name is Paula Champagne, by the way. But when I landed on the coloring book idea, it was like, ding, 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 ding. The, all the bells were ringing in my head. And I knew that I had to make that happen. And I'm self-published. So the Black in the Garden experience is called an experience because you can actually color along while you're listening to the very episode that is featuring the person who is on that page that you're coloring, that speaks to the experience of it. I'm going to link to where you can buy the coloring book and also obviously listen to the podcast and all the other things in the show notes. Yeah. Kyla, finally, I would love it if you could share some advice to anybody listening who would like to create a podcast and take up some space that isn't already occupied What do you need to know about becoming a podcaster? You need to know that you need to know what your end game is before you even start. You need to know it's two main directions that you can go in. You can do this leisurely as just something that you do for fun, or you can do this with the expectation that you're going to monetize it and create opportunities for yourself and you know, really expand it because I have people by now, I've had people ask me pretty regularly that question, especially those who either haven't started one yet or who have started one and are like, oh, child, that was hard. And I'm like, it is, isn't it? (laughs) I know that I have great and strong uh, podcast art as my logo, right? And of course, the coloring book enhances that and all the illustrations of the guests that I've had. You wouldn't think that that was important if you weren't really thinking that deeply about it because it's an audio product, right? But how do people get exposed to it? They have to see it. They have, they have to see that picture. And I always advise that that picture be beautiful enough or interesting enough or, you know, captivating enough or at the very least, it should 
kind of give you a visual representation of what it's about without you even having to say anything. Even if you didn't type anything on there, there's no typeface. I should be able to look at your logo and understand what I'm getting. And then this leads to the second point, which this is what you said you were going to talk about. But when I turned it on, you didn't talk about that at all. So you're losing me because I'm waiting for you to get to that thing, you know, and now if you tune into a Black in the Garden podcast and I'm over here talking about sneakers and what celebrities are hooking up, then it's going to be a letdown, you know, so that that's that's step two. Three is your intro. It doesn't have to be like a fancy intro like mine. Now, mine is professionally done. Shout out to Johnny Ill. And it's also a single on Spotify and iTunes. It's really, really cool. People should go and take a moment to listen. Yes, to it. it's fun. If you don't even listen to the whole show. And here's the thing. Before I had an intro, because I believe it was season three when I got my intro. But I would always start my show because I had the intro in my mind of how I wanted it to sound when I finally figured out what producer was going to be able to to, uh, make that happen for me. But I would always come in the same way. And I would be like, my name is Colby Talking, and you're listening to Black in the Garden. And guess what, y'all? We Black in the Garden. A, because A is my introduction. And that uniformity with opening every episode with that same greeting and greeting, this is a bonus, greet your audience. Talk to them. Talk when you're talking, because when you're doing a podcast, if you don't have a guest, it's just you and the mic alone in the room. So there's a little bit of acting involved, but you got to talk to your to your audience <laughs> like like you can see them. It's so true. There is a little bit of acting involved with all broadcasting, I think. I used to be um, a broadcaster, like a news broadcaster. Uh, and I, I think I liked it so much because you almost you almost are getting to like do a little performance. It's a little show, you know. You are. Yeah. And for me, because I had listened to so many that I liked, and so I took notes from the the elements that I liked that worked, that kept my attention, and the ones that I didn't like, I took note as to what was lacking there and made sure I did not repeat those mistakes. And that had everything to do many times with addressing the audience from the very beginning. And here's another tip. I don't know if this was number three or I'm just, I'm going into the weeds by now, but you asked, so I'm answering. When you are starting a show, any episode, you can't assume that people know who you are. You you do need to introduce yourself and you need to be very, you know, you need to let the people know who you are. You need to introduce yourself, but you need to be captivating enough in the first few minutes to get them to continue listening because I feel that, and I'm sure there's some science behind this, that when people tap into a podcast they never heard before, you really only have maybe about 10 strong seconds. Cause remember you got to compete with TikTok. <laughs> so you got to get them in and this is long form. So you really got to bring it. Okay. So you should smile when you're talking. If you want to bring that good energy, I get it. Not everybody delivers in the way that I deliver. I like for it to be a bold, kind of energetic, enthusiastic. And so I do smile when I'm talking. I tap into a happy place and I smile when I'm coming in. I'm talking. You can't see me smiling, but you can hear people smiling when they talk. 
Those are my top three with a few bonuses sprinkled in. <laughs> Isn't it funny how all the little parts of your life come together to make you good at the thing that you're good at now? Cola, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I am a big fan. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So I always close out or end whatever I'm doing with um, saying love, light and soil. As a Brit, it can make me go a bit like, oh, what? when someone says, I have charisma, I am good at marketing, I'm going to make money out of this podcast because as British people, especially as women, we just don't talk about ourselves like that, but we don't have enough time on this ball of soil not to. Just say what you know to be true, that you're good at some things and just start making it happen like Cola has. And my favourite bit of podcasting advice there is about performance because you can apply that to any bit of video or recording that you're making. Give it a little bit of a show. You're trying to capture and hold people's attention and tell a story, even if it's a short one, as vividly as possible. So give it some welly. It'll stop being embarrassing after a few goes, I promise. That's it. I'll be back very, very soon. In the meantime, if you enjoy the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, post a review wherever you're listening. It helps new listeners to find us. And if you take the time to do so, it means a lot. Thank you. And thank you always for listening. Goodbye for now. Hold up. 